This is Channel 253. In this episode of Nerd Farmer. I always, always appreciated when people asked mm -hmm. questions and they were genuine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can look it up on the internet. I appreciate some people who do do that before they approach us and ask sure. and, and, and not consider me a Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. But I'm, I'm in my head, I'm like, I'm glad at least you're asking. That is universal. There are always some someone out there or a group of people who want to do the right thing and don't know where to start and they just need to be directed in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Channel 253 is supported by Microsoft. Microsoft is committed to civic conversations like those on Channel 253 that inform and empower Washington communities. To learn more, visit aka.ms slash Microsoft in Washington. This is the Nerd Farmer Podcast, a national conversation through a local lens. Welcome to the Nerd Farmer Podcast, brought to you by our friends at Libro FM. My name is Nate, and I'm your host of Tacoma and Abroad. I'm so excited for this conversation, Amy. So here's the deal. Uh, we have been doing our conversations on Zoom since I moved overseas. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done a few episodes in person, but I get to be in studio now with a friend, and so excited for this. Uh, as a classroom teacher, uh, Ramadan is coming up, and I've always... Well, let me back up. A lot of people in America have a sense of, like otherism and like mysticism about islam uh, i had muslim uh friends growing up and neighbors and so like to me it's very familiar mm -hmm. and so here in the region i'm on a journey and so i want to have my dear friend amy derisa on to talk about ramadan and her feelings as an educator and also as a muslim and american kind of all in one so amy welcome to the show hey thanks for having me nate oh, I should, actually hold on marhaba <laughs> amy Ahnan. kifak alhamdulillah that's all i know okay good <laughs> Good start. Good start. So, Amy, you are somebody who strikes me as being two things simultaneously. You are Jordanian as hell and uh -huh. Chicago as hell. That's true. And so I think you're the perfect person for this conversation. And so if you're a classroom teacher, if you're somebody in the United States that's curious about Islam, um, I think this is a great conversation about Ramadan and like what students need from us and also like what we owe it's just in general, it's like, it's like, here's what students need from us. Here's what colleagues need from us. And here's what like our neighbors are going through. So Amy, I'm going to ask you the same question twice. Just follow, follow differences. Sounds good. Amy, what is Ramadan? Well, Ramadan is a month where Muslims come together and um, fast and worship. It's also a month where people um, come together as a community mm -hmm. more than any other month of the year through rituals, through fasting, through doing charity, um, from co just coming together as a community. So it's such a, it's a month that, I don't wanna say forces us, but compels us to come together and be mindful of being a community and family. So same question, but different. What's, yeah. what's Ramadan to you? You know, Ramadan is just, uh, it means family to me. Just, just you know, being mindful of what I wanna do to represent myself and my people, but also um, thinking of others. Mm -hmm. Like I do take an extra step to think about what am I putting out there in the world? Mm -hmm. What am I doing to make it a better place or make it easier for someone else? Yeah, I feel like everybody knows about the fasting part. Yeah. And so like Muslims aren't eating right now. Okay, or actually 
not eating right now. This is going to come out before Ramadan. It starts April 3rd. Right. Besides a month of fasting during daylight hours, what else is Ramadan to you? Well, again, Ramadan is an opportunity for me to lack of a better way to say it, is modify my behavior, mm-hmm. kind of develop the habits that I would like to have or to, you know, work towards habits that I would like to have. Yeah. I've heard people like compare it to Lent and Christianity, but that's one of the problems we do is we try to equate things instead of just understanding things on their own. So like everything, we don't have to compare it to things within Christianity or within dominant American culture. Just it's a period of like reflection for Muslims who are practicing. Yes. Uh, do you remember the first time you fasted during Ramadan, the first time you observed it and what it was like for you? I do. Um, it was, I was in third grade mm-hmm. and my family, well, we would come visit Jordan every two years. So it was, a, it, Ramadan came in the summer mm-hmm. at the time and I was eight years old and um, everybody was fasting. So I tried to fast and it was so hard to fast till eight yeah. as an eight year old. So I would do like a half fast, like fast till 3 p.m. and then pig out on ice cream. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but that's when I really got a taste of it. But it was it was an experience like no other because um, families came together. Um, charity was done in groups. Uh, you sought out those things. Uh, even the, you know, rituals of worshiping were different or took it like people took it to another level. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, let's back up, do a little biography. So yeah. you're Jordanian American. Yes. Born in the U.S. Yes. Uh, fluent and wonderful speaker of Arabic. Yes. But acquired that language later on in life, didn't grow up speaking it. That's correct. Well, my parents did. So mm-hmm. I was exposed to it, you know, hearing it at home and then my uncles and my aunts because um, my entire dad's side mm-hmm. of my dad's side's family were all in the state. So we would always come together and I would always heal the adults, you know, speaking Arabic. So I was exposed to it, but I didn't speak it, but I could understand some of it. Almost tangential the conversation. So a lot of people who are Arab American and mm-hmm. grow up in the States decide they don't decide to not learn the language but they let the language go uh when and why did you decide to study and learn arabic that you could could be a fluent speaker like you are well i didn't decide my family did my parents wanted me to know the language and so i remember my my mom loves poetry and music and she has a flair for that so i always got to hear you know music and poetry being said and recited in the house Mm -hmm. and my dad at the dinner table would always throw out one word that we had to learn in arabic so and you know and then my mom sometimes my dad would take it to the next level and it would be so frustrating for us and my mom would just give him a look like from the corner of eye like you need to bring it down a notch <laughs> what were some of the words he was teaching you i can't remember any of them <laughs> they were really uh they were the the formal classical arabic words yeah. like words that are really not used every day and that's when my mom would give him the eye like you're going too far <laughs> yeah so it's funny so we're full so, so full disclosure we're having this conversation after having a turkish brunch which is Always delicious. Yes. Uh, we were sitting with a Lebanese uh, gentleman who we both know. Yes. And one of the things that he was explaining to me that I had my head around, but help me understand it is, is that like when you learn Arabic, there are different Arabics besides regional, it's like classical Arabic. And again, making my bad Christian equivalency, like he explained that like speaking classical Arabic is like speaking like King James English. Yes. And so you have this like lexicon of King James English that like if you spoke in it, you would sound like an idiot to people in the streets. 
that is correct because it's you know it's not used every day it's yeah. only used like at a scholarly level yeah. but people understand it yeah. but don't but people don't practice it every day like an everyday person if you would run on, uh, run into somebody on the street they're not yeah. going to speak classical arabic with you so okay I, I, I want to, your, your, your whole experience coming up is fascinating to me. I'm like, topic to the side for a second. Okay. So what were your experiences like as a Jordanian American, as a student and as a child with Ramadan when you're growing up? Well, I grew up in the States. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the eighties, uh, we were around people that if they were not Arab yeah. or Arab American, they didn't know. Um, they didn't know anything about yeah. uh, Ramadan or anything like that. Yeah. So it, there was a sense of like, you know, not fitting in. Mm -hmm. There's some isolation. People didn't get it. Uh, people didn't weren't curious. You, you know, there was some hesitancy in speaking about it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say hiding on my identity, but yeah. say what you want. But not necessarily making it obvious either or, you know, trying to stand out. So that was that was interesting for me, you know, when I look back. I know I'm asking you to go back in a time machine to your childhood in your 80s and the yeah. 90s. So do you remember any encounters or I don't like saying microaggressions because for the person receiving they're like macroaggressions, but any like crappy experiences you had with classroom teachers or with classmates about your fasting during the holiday? Well, I remember most. Um, in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So even though we were in a middle, uh, you know, upper class, middle upper middle class neighborhood, I mean, you know, there was kids in the neighborhood that would say, you know, camel jockeys or yeah. Arab. And that really hurt. And, you know, one way I dealt with it was looking the other way mm -hmm. and not fighting it. Yeah. Um, I don't recall much of uh, microaggression in the classroom, but I did experience like nobody knew and nobody cared. That's the part, right? So yeah. there's not knowing and there's not caring. Yeah. And so I find, and I, I guess one of the audiences for this conversation is people who know. Mm, one of the audiences of this conversation is people who know and don't care, getting them to care more, but like without being a weirdo about it, mm -hmm. right? And so I, I'll just pose to you, as somebody who is a bicultural person who grew up kind of living in both places and being attached and like living in both places, what do you wish that more people understood about what Muslims are experiencing during Ramadan? It's it's a challenge mm -hmm. that we embark on mm -hmm. and we, you know, just understanding goes a long, long way. Yeah. And you it doesn't require anybody to go an extra mile with us. It's just the regular kindness and patience that you would show anyone. Yeah that's enough. Yeah, it's it's and I, I often think about how the conditions in which we ask students to be at their absolute best are already really weird. Mm -hmm. Like when schools in America went remote, a bunch of them started later than they started when schools were in person, mm -hmm. which means you know that school should start later than it does when we start school first thing in the morning at like right. 7:30 in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. And then I'm adding fasting on top of that, like what like what are we doing to kids? And I think about asking kids to be at their academic best at 7:30 in the morning when they're hungry as hell. It's 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 just it's just weird, it's weird, it's weird. Um, I agree. How do you, it's not like Ramanan shows up April 3rd, bam, you're like, I've been transformed. Mm -hmm. How do you ease yourself into this week, sorry, into this, this month of reflection? Well, I will tell you this, like it's a mindset. So I kind of prepare myself mentally and emotionally mm -hmm. that this is a time where I need to be mindful of what I'm doing and what I'm saying and in hope 
because it's a full month. There's mm -hmm. a reason why it's a full month because mm -hmm. what Ramadan aims at is not only for you to feel with those who are less fortunate, but mm -hmm. it's also to modify your behavior. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Islam is all about, you know, the right habits or having the right rituals or habits or behaviors. Yeah. So you're given a month to get into that. Yeah. You know, because you can't change behavior overnight. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you're talking to the guy that joins the gym in January and is like, <laughs> ah, February. Uh, so besides the fasting, what are some of the things that you do differently with your time and your space and your mind and your body during this period? Well, I... I, I generally meditate, mm -hmm. but I try to meditate even more to mm -hmm. set the tone for the day. Mm -hmm. And um, usually most of the rituals happen at night. Mm -hmm. So I try to not only nourish my body, but I'm nourishing my mind to mm -hmm. be able to do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So when you say most of the rituals, like what are the rituals? Um, rituals such as charity work. Mm -hmm. So there are some charity works that we do at night, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, uh, a soup kitchen, you know, helping mm -hmm. those or serving those who are less fortunate. Mm -hmm. Just like when people do that, you know, during Christmas, you yeah. know, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, yeah. there's like, you know, an open kitchen where there's free food and free meals for those who are less fortunate or can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Well, we do that throughout the whole month, but it's also being mindful of doing, going an extra step. Um, also, a lot of the prayers and rituals um, happen at night and especially around dawn, before dawn. Mm. And so I, I try to make time for that. So I adjust my day. Talk about the day adjustment, because this is a thing that I didn't realize until I moved here. It's like the day flips. Like it, it sounds dismissive to say y'all become nocturnal, but like mm. y'all become nocturnal. While the, so, so talk about that a bit, the, the flip in the day of the routine. Well, it, you know, and this is another misconception. People think, oh, well, fasting's easy for you because you sleep all day. And that's not true mm -hmm. because our lives don't stop. Mm -hmm. We still go to work. We still go to school. Mm -hmm. We still do everything we need to do. Mm -hmm. But we do, we're mindful of resting also during the day so we can carry on what we need to do after breaking fast. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of energy and hours being up. Say more about that. Um, so, for example, um, you know, I work a nine to five job. I'm a teacher. I I have to plan. So when I get home, I plan. I have to cook. If there's a family, yeah. people cook for their family or their loved ones. But I also mindful like, OK, I need it. Like I carve out in my schedule time to break mm -hmm. time. Perhaps it could be a nap. It could be meditation because I'm going to embark on more of worshiping and doing good. And that takes, you know, hours being up, effort, planning, getting together with the community. And also not only that, but enjoying my time being with family and being with the community. I, I, I go ahead. I didn't know if I answered your question. Or no, not. you're totally fine. Oh, okay. It's something that I've been saying to a lot of people is, is that life if American evangelicals in particular, but conservative Christians kind of writ large could get around their like prejudice, they would actually find a lot in Arab and Muslim culture that they would enjoy. They would enjoy the, frankly, conservatism of it all. Mm -hmm. They would enjoy the family-centric focus of it all. Yeah. Uh, talk about family. And I know family is weird for us right now because like you're away from your family. We're, mm -hmm. we're here in the Gulf, whatever. We're basically family here in the Gulf, right? Yes, you are. And so uh, what, is the, what, what is it like when you are with your family during this time? 
it's it i really enjoy it because that's there's time it, again it's like you subconsciously carve out time which you should be doing throughout the year but right. it's, but you you are mindful of carving out time to do things that you don't do because life is so fast paced mm. i just feel like ramadan says you need to halt and stop mm. and think about what's important Important is thinking of others, uh, thinking of your family, spending more time with your family, coming together for a meal. Mm -hmm. Because when you lead busy lives, you know, sometimes everybody ends up having dinner by themselves or having dinner once a week together yeah. as a family. But Ramadan's like, no, you need to make more time for that. Yeah. And we'll talk about iftar in the second half. Yeah. That's like my favorite part, selfishly. <laughs> uh, if I am a teacher and I'm working in the United States or I'm working at international school and I'm serving students who are Muslim mm. and observing Ramadan, what are some things that I should not be doing in my classroom and what things I should be doing in a classroom? Like what, what advice would you give a practicing teacher who has students who are fasting in their classes? Well, on a personal level, it never bothered me when people would drink or eat. Sure. But I, um, you know, being in Jordan, I knew that, you know, in Jordan, has a combination of Muslims and Christians. And I've always found that they were very mindful of what it takes to literally, you know, discipline yourself to not drink and eat and do other things that you're supposed to or not do yeah. in the month of Ramadan. So they were very mindful of not doing those things in front of people mm -hmm. who are fasting. I appreciated that. Um, I never found it to be necessary, mm -hmm. but it's, I always appreciate people who are just thinking of you. It, it just brings the community together, whether you're a Muslim or not. Yeah. Um, what to do as a teacher, patience, just the same patience. Um, kids who are fasting will probably need accommodations that they normally don't get. So sorry, I'm, I'm laughing right now because you're a special education, sorry, a special ed teacher. Yes. And this is you coming out now, accommodations. This is so on brand. Sorry, go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. Well, you know, as a special ed teacher, yeah. you know, we're always thinking of, you know, how do we accommodate our students so they have equal access to the mm. curriculum and everything else, leveling out the playing field. Well, again, they might not be Muslim students who are fasting. They may not be special ed. They might not have a disability. Yeah. They may not even be ELL students, but they need accommodations, not because of those things, but for other things like fasting. And I'm not saying giving them a break in a way that's not, you know, that's unfair, but accommodate them. I caught myself saying something that I realized was not like the business. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my students. So for context here, uh, our calendar in this time of the year is a mess. Mm -hmm. And because Ramadan is based on the lunar calendar, it kind of moves throughout the year. So it's moving sure. up. It's earlier than it was last year. Yeah. Uh, I was saying to my students in my AP class how the next like month is really chaotic because it's like we have a two-week spring break that mm -hmm. started yesterday, by the way. Yes. Uh, and then we come back from spring break and we're basically right in the middle of Ramadan. True. And then... At the end of Ramadan, we have Eid al-Fatar, which is like the festival celebrating the end of the fast. Mm -hmm. And that's where the college board and all their wisdom decided to schedule exams. Oh, let's, God. let's take the college board and put it <laughs> out of there, out of the conversation. We'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. One of the things I said is, is like, we have the spring break, then we have Ramadan, all this chaos. And a student approached me and they were like, the way you said that made me feel some type of way. Because you were saying it that like Ramadan is chaos. And that's not what I was trying to say. What I was just saying was we have these disruptions to the learning, but I realized in hindsight that it's like, I would refer to Christmas as disruption, right? And so like, that's that's me, yeah. right? So I, I make a fool of myself on the microphone and talk about how dumb I am to make this question for you. Uh, what are some 
do you have any examples of uh, behaviors or actions that like either you as a student or you've seen colleagues engage in, uh, no names obviously, ain't trying to fire, <laughs> um, right. that maybe people didn't realize weren't helpful or uh, made you as an observant person feel some type of way? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> we don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One thing that stands out right off the bat, yeah. um, for example, we have IB courses. Mm -hmm. And so there's a certain amount of hours mm -hmm. that teacher need to cover the material. Yeah. And what happens is because of Ramadan, our schedule is adjusted mm -hmm. and the classes are shortened to be mindful of those who are fasting, especially because we're in a country that, you know, is a Muslim country. Yeah. And so the majority of our kids or our, Mus our Muslim kids yeah. fast. So I know that I, you know, you hear teachers saying, oh, man, Ramadan, it's like they... It's like Ramadan is a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, oh, just because of Ramadan, now I, you know, my classes are shortened. I can't cover this. I gotta find extra time, or I gotta adjust, and and that hurts. It hurts to hear that. Um, that to hear sure. or that Ramadan is a problem yeah. for you, when it really is like you know, this is an opportunity for us as educators to be creative. How can we address this? How can we be creative in you know, delivering the curriculum, being, you know, our integrity towards IB and making sure that our kids are learning. I always thought it was about the kids before anything else. What would be a better way of expressing that? So it's natural for a teacher to feel like I'm a person of habit and routine and my habits and routines are being mm -hmm. disrupted by something outside of my control. Like that's a natural teacher thing. That's my inner voice all the time, honestly. Mm -hmm. What would be a better way to express that as a professional? Oh, I would definitely say that, you know, change mm -hmm. happens. Change is inevitable. Mm -hmm. How do we bend gracefully with it? Mm -hmm. How how can we adapt with change? Mm -hmm. And there are some things we can't control, but there are some things that we can adapt to. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're educators. We're smart people. You're supposed to be flexible. In yeah, theory, and yeah. flexibility is the one thing you need if you want to be an educator. Yeah. And it doesn't matter at what level, you know. Let that create, this is your, I, I find this, this is a teacher's opportunity to shine and be creative, how they can meet the needs of all students. Disabilities, fasting, ELL, whatever. You're so on brand. Uh, let's put ourselves in, back in that teacher's mindset again, and we have a student who is fasting in the classroom. So my, my instinct is, is that there's not an actual answer to this. And you should talk to each student about their own faith and their own tradition, their own walk. Mm -hmm. But actually, hold on. I don't like my question. Different question. Go ahead. So you have the experience of experiencing Ramadan in Jordan, mm -hmm. experiencing Ramadan prior in your work in Bahrain, mm -hmm. experiencing Ramadan here and then back in the U.S. Right. What are some universal things that you've seen educators do that have been like helpful and things that people have done like in all four contexts that have been like the right thing to do? First of all, I always, always appreciated when people asked mm -hmm. questions and they were genuine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can look it up on the internet. And I appreciate some people who do do that before they approach us and ask sure. and, and, and not consider me a Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. But I'm, I'm in my head, I'm like, I'm glad at least you're asking. That is universal. There are always some someone out there or a group of people who want to do the right thing and don't know where to start and they just need to be directed in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Patience, kindness, flexibility, creativity. 
we're we're going to go to break in a second, but I'm going to ask a very dumb question that I think a lot of folks may not know. No such thing. Uh, so Ramadan is a is a is a period of a, it's a month basically in the Islamic calendar that follows like the moon. Mm-hmm. What's the moon part? So like, is it like does it start with the new moon or the full moon? Like I honestly don't know. Well, you know, I wish I knew enough about that. Okay. Um, I've always, you know, when I was in Jordan, um, we would always go to rooftop of uh, buildings mm-hmm. and kind of be the, the Muslim scholars trying to figure out, <laughs> is it a full moon? Is it the start of the month? Yes yeah. or no. But there's always, you know, the full moon, the start of the month. And then that's when they can declare this yeah. is the start of the month. So tomorrow's the first day yeah. of Ramadan and you can fast. Sorry, I have a visual of you being very 14 and outspoken on a roof, being a <laughs> scholar and holding court with like the, the silly boys around. And- <laughs> Professor Amy will speak now. Well, I was never the professor, but there's always somebody else. Sure. I was just rooting. I'm like, it, are, it's kind of like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was always the one, you know, the disruptive kid in the backseat of the car. No. Is it Ramadan tomorrow? No. Are we fasting? Come on. I need to know. <laughs> All right. So we'll take a break here. And then when we come back, uh, I want to hear a bit more about things from Jordan and your childhood. And then also... Uh, we're going to talk some ish about the college board. So we'll good. be back. And we are back. Thank you for downloading the show and listening to this conversation today. Uh, this is what I want to do. Like I have a platform and if I can help one person out there be better to a, to a kid in a classroom while the kid is fasting, then like so be it. The Nerd Farmer podcast is part of the Channel 253 podcast network. We do this. We tell stories. And I think that this is worth your support. Uh, I am a member. I pay my $4 a month and you should too. And so if you want to join, it's $4 a month or $40 a year. You can go to channel253.com slash membership. If you join, you get access to our member-only Slack, which is a, is a destination of all sorts of great nonsense. And then also access to Doug's Off the Record podcast, which I recorded one of a couple nights ago and kind of laid out where I'm taking the show in the next little bit. And if you are a member and don't listen to Off the Record, you should. Like, it's part of your member benefits. There's an episode two or so back where Eric and Marguerite did a state of the network and talked about, like with Doug, uh, where the network is and where it's going, what we're trying to do. And so just think about joining. And if you are a member, uh, a way you can help the show is if you like this conversation, you're like, this is useful, send it to somebody and say, hey, Nate and Amy are talking about Ramadan. It's worth your time. Uh, I also want to thank our sporting sponsor for this show, which is Libro FM. They're my audio bookseller of choice. I'm trying to de-Amazon my life. And Libro FM is a Seattle-based uh, audio retailer where I'm able to buy audiobooks. Uh, if you join Libro FM using promo code Tacoma, your first month you'll get two books for the price of one. What you do is you pay $14.99 a month, and then that gets you a credit for one book. And so I've read stuff like the Dune books, 1619 Project. Uh, I think I've may have talked about it before, but I'm reading right now Kleptopia, which is a story, or sorry, it's a nonfiction book basically about and it's very timely, dirty Russian and actually dirty Kazakh money and how it's kind of infiltrated global politics and economics. And the thing that really stuck with me is, is the extent to which the United Kingdom and London in particular as the center of global finance is the center of dirty money. And so it's called Kleptopia. Uh, I will link to it in the show notes. It's worth a listen. All right, uh, Amy, something I think about is how as we age, like our traditions kind of change and evolve. Mm-hmm. And I think about how when I was a kid, every Sunday we had Sunday dinner. Mm-hmm. And like, well, actually we had Sunday breakfast too, but so mom would make biscuits and like we would have this like moment of fellowship. That's what Ramadan feels like to me, that it's this like focused month of family time together and fellowship. 
How do you experience it differently as an adult than you experienced it like when you were younger? How is your experience with this celebration and observance changing as you mature in age? Well, as an adult, I've been overseas without my family. And when I say family, my immediate family. Sure, yeah. um, so that's been a bit difficult, you know, because again, like I said, it's a time for people to come together more than they do throughout the year yeah. um, as a community and family. Uh, and I've been always blessed and fortunate to be around people who kind of like adopt me, mm -hmm. per se. They see that, you know, I'm away from family and this is a month that can get a little lonely if you're not with family and sure. friends. And so I've experienced it where I've always found like second families. Yeah. yeah, friends, friends who ask me out or spend time with me or being mindful that I'm fasting and that I'm breaking fast alone. Yeah. So rather than spending it alone, like come to our place or we're coming to yours. Or let's go to that Turkish spot. Or let's go to that <laughs> Turkish spot, yep. Um, yeah. You you brought up my I think my favorite part of Ramadan, frankly. So like I'm yeah. so okay. So true story. Your boy's a quitter. I tried to fast last year. <laughs> you did. Um, and it didn't go very well. But one of the things that I didn't understand is that one of the ways that people who are observing get through the fast is is that like, they wake up basically before sunrise and eat. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't doing that. I was mm -hmm. just like eating at seven p.m. the next day and trying to power through. Yeah. And like it wasn't working out at all. Uh, talk about iftar and like why that's so special during this time. It, it 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 is special. I mean, my memories of that, you know, I would, um, you know, uh, be at my grandfather's house, and during Ramadan, we always because we were, you know, walking distance just down the road of my grandfather's house in Jordan, and um, my aunt would, you know, not only wake up her daughters, but she would wake up our family, and then you know everybody's calling everybody to make sure that they wake up. And sometimes you just walk down the street yeah. and you go have what they call sahur. So I would have sahur with my cousins and my aunts and my uncles. Wait, so sahur is the early breakfast? Basically? Yes. Okay. Before you start fasting. And that's the part that like, I missed and it ruined my experience. Okay. Yeah. And, and you need that because you need to nourish your body to do what you need to do throughout the day because life doesn't stop in Ramadan. You still yeah. are accountable to your job, your kids, yeah. your family, your community. I want to be like, why didn't you tell me this last year? <laughs> but you did and I didn't listen. So <laughs> keep going. That's your fault. All right. It's often my fault. <laughs> so, you know, so it's a wonderful opportunity to get up and then, but it's not just you wake up and eat and you go back to sleep. So, so there's prayer time mm -hmm. at that time, but there's also time to, you know, communicate and mm. converse and sit with family. And it's just a really wonderful time. Another extra opportunity to come together mm. uh, because like I said, we lead, we lead busy lives. Yeah. How many families all have breakfast together before they run out to work and sending the kids off to school? Yeah. yeah. Part of the reason we're having this conversation is, is I got a burr under my saddle, which is a very weird metaphor for me to use because <laughs> I have no horses. Uh, the college board, who I have talked about my thoughts about in the past, nationalized the college board, uh, scheduled I, sorry, we talked about AP earlier on, scheduled mm -hmm. IB exams during Eid al-Fatar. So let's, let's first talk about what Eid is. So what is Eid? Eid is um, one of the, you know, the Islamic, um, there's two official Islamic mm -hmm. holidays, which is uh, Eid al-Aftar and Eid al-Adha. And so this is where kind of like 
you know, I don't want to do a comparison, but it's like our Christmas mm -hmm. where we come together, we break fast, we um, pray together, we go out into the community and continue our charity work or our projects that we've mm -hmm. started in Ramadan. But it's also a time for celebration and to think of those who are not with us, to do to visit, you know, grave sites of our loved ones who mm -hmm. are no longer with us because they're still part of our family and community. Sure. And when we have to work during that time or we have to study for an exam that time uh, it feels like we're being robbed of that and that's hard i'm gonna ask the same thing but more specifically why yeah. is it wholly inappropriate for an institution who says that they value education they value students they value inclusivity to schedule exams during the most sacred time for muslims because they're not practicing what they're preaching and 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 that's sad and mm. it, and it it just feels like you're excluded. It feels like you don't belong. Mm. And everybody wants to belong. Mm. Everybody wants to be understood. And everybody wants to be seen. Mm. It's like you're not seen. Mm. And that doesn't feel good. Speaking of not being seen, I wasn't planning on asking you about this. And you don't know I'm going to ask you about this. And <laughs> Doug might have to edit this out. We were talking on the way over here today about events around the world. Yeah. And in particular, what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. Oh, and boy. Yeah, Here it comes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you talked about how we both agree that what is happening is terrible. Mm -hmm. We both agree what the Russians are doing is abhorrent. Yes. But there's an element of not being seen in the coverage. Talk about how you feel like certain people are not being seen in the media landscape right now and what's happening in because that's not the only war that's happening right now or has happened in the last 10, 20 years mm -hmm. and didn't get as much coverage as this one. Yeah. And that, I mean, the examples are overwhelming. You know, Ethiopia, Syria, yeah. uh, Iraq, yeah. and the list goes on and on and on. And it's like, I'm just shocked that the media carves out so much time for that, yeah. rightfully so, but then there are other things that are happening just as horrific around mm. the world and getting, I don't want to say zero, but probably, you know, zero to none. Yeah. yeah. And I've really been struck by watching how quickly Europeans are prepared to welcome in refugees that mm -hmm. aren't brown and that aren't African and aren't Middle Eastern mm -hmm. and how these countries that basically said they had a refugee crisis and like couldn't take people or bending over backwards to take Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a conversation we had overall when this is over with about like, whose lives and whose stories we value and who we don't support. Like I, I've talked about it on the show before, but there's a video clip that showed like Ukrainian women preparing Molotov cocktails mm -hmm. before like the Russians arrived in Kyiv. And the idea that like we can post a video of Ukrainian women preparing Molotov cocktails and be like, look at these courageous women. But if those are Palestinian women, like mm -hmm. we, we would demonize them. That's I that's that ain't, that ain't it. That ain't it. Yeah, I saw a couple of segments and I, I know, forgive me, I do not recall which news station or, you know, journalists, but they're like, oh, you know, they're bringing footage from the Ukraine and say, this is unheard of. This is a European country. This is like looking at third world countries. This shouldn't happen here. Yeah. Well, you're right. It shouldn't happen anywhere, though. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's Europe or a third world country or the Middle East or mm. Africa. It just shouldn't happen anywhere. And it is. I just wish there was more coverage because people rely on the media. We're having this conversation on March 26th. 
and Ramadan's going to start on April 3rd. Uh, what preparations are you going to make personally between now and then? Well, it more spiritually hmm? and mentally prepare myself that I need to be mindful, take it easy. Hmm. What do I want to put out there? Hmm. What do I want to put out there that's going to make a difference for someone else? Because this is a time if I couldn't or haven't done it the whole entire year, which I should, mm -hmm. but this is a month like, it's kind of like God, Allah is giving me an opportunity like, listen, sorry, I you wasted 11 months, but I'm giving you a month right here in the year. Now get your game together, girl. <laughs> My favorite part of that is when you said Allah is saying you made a different face. So like Allah holds his eyebrows differently than yeah. Amy does. <laughs> it's like, like, girl, get it together now. Yeah. I'm giving you a month. You have no excuse. Yeah. Put something out there. And I believe, you know, this is something my mother always taught me. She's like, you know, wealth and knowledge needs to circulate. You can't keep it with yourself. Mm -hmm. It has to be given. So charity, whether, you know, whatever you have, you've been given by God, you have to share that. Yeah. It's not meant to stay with you. And I feel like this is a month that, I, again, lack of a better word, I use force because it's not force, but it's an opportunity. Like, you know, somebody's giving me the opportunity, like, what is it that you need to do this to put something good out in the world? Yeah. Here's a month to do it. And hopefully you'll develop the habits and behavior to continue that throughout the whole year. It's one, one of my takes that I'm not ready to roll out in its full thought is, is the way in which devout Muslims live the gospel better than devout Christians do in a lot of ways. And I think the seriousness which with, with which you all take this occasion and the way that you engage in the charity and giving to others in this time period is beyond admirable because it really is about caring for a human being because we're all God's creation. Thanks. And that's, that's exactly it. We have to... We all have we all have a part. Yeah. We all need to do a little bit. Yeah. That's it, just a little. All right, uh, Amy. Thank you for making time for this conversation. I really appreciate learning learning from you. Uh, if people want to follow you on any of the socials, where can they look? I'm on Twitter. As <laughs> uh, you changed it uh, recently, I'm yeah, like, I know I changed it. I got to remember what I changed it. Um, at my grid, mm -hmm. I mean, off my grid. Look at that. I can't. I changed it so many times. <laughs> I can't even remember. Yeah, off my grid. Dot coach, I think. So, Amy, really fast, what is off my grid? Because maybe somebody, you know, down the road might want some life coaching. Yeah, well, because I, I just, you know, this past year, I figured, you know, what more can I do? you know, put myself out there and help more people, regardless whether it's kids or adults. And so I, you know, I'm a life coach right now, an executive life coach. And, I'm feeling coached right now, yep. exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, people sometimes feel like they're off their grid. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, they're not on their track. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's where it came from. I'm like, off my grid, mm -hmm. I need, and it's okay to be off my grid. I just need to get back on it. Yeah. So that's where it came from. Shukran. Wakanda forever, y'all. Uh, if you are able to get boosted, get boosted. You are protecting uh, your fellow human beings. Convict the police that killed Manuel Ellis, Ghost Sounders, and the Timber Suck. Channel 253 is supported by Microsoft. Microsoft is committed to civic conversations like those on Channel 253 that inform and empower Washington communities. To learn more, visit aka.ms slash Microsoft in Washington. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. Yeah, we don't want this on record. <laughs> and Doug is definitely going to cut this part out and be like, listen to Nate be spicy afterwards. So thanks. We got to meet Doug. Nerd Farmer is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Interchangeable White Ladies. Give me the mic. We Art Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Taco Man. Flounder's B Team. Crossing Division. Citizen Tacoma. And What Say You? This is Channel 253.